is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It's the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's time to jump on out to the zone phone. Joining us now, of course, longtime jazz assistant coach, our good friend, Gordon Chiesa. What's going on, coach? Jake and Gordon, I am doing fine. Thank you. Terrific. Uh, Jazz, best record in the league. First time in franchise history that that has happened. Uh, Not the first time they've they've tied for it, but the first time they won it outright. How big a deal is that, Coach? It's huge. Because now, one, it's the body of work that the Jazz accomplished through all the ups and downs and rigors of an intense NBA season. Now they have the home court advantage. Oh, by the way, the Jazz are the best record in the NBA as far as home with 31-5. and So they've been dominant. So things hold up. The Jazz will have a will have a, a a great chance to win all those home games and a fight and bite and claw on the road. So it's very very important. So I hate to jump ahead, Gordy, but who do you think is their biggest challenger in the West? The first opponent. <laughs> nice. The first of course. The first opponent. Your typical. You, Gordon Munch, a typical fan, where you're jumping already to the NBA Finals already. Not a, first, not, a, not a fan, Gordy, not a fan. Let's, let's, first, let's first see what, uh, as far as it plays out, as far as this playing series. But no, it's, it's going to be absolutely challenging. The Jazz are an elite, emphasize the word team. There are 11 players deep, led by the, the brilliance of Donovan Mitchell. And I want to make a one point about this as far as last year's players. I know it's yesteryear, but here was Donovan Mitchell last year. He was the first player in NBA history to average in a single playoff run 35 plus, plus points per game, 50 plus field goal percentage, 50% from threes, and 90% from the three throw line. And now he's coming back for the first time. He missed 90 games this year. And then the question will be is he in rhythm? Can he get that bounce to his game? Can he get some of that rust off his jump shot? And we're going to find out. Do you think the Jazz are cheering one way or the other for uh, the Lakers or the Warriors? They're likely opponents, of course. Of course, yeah. And for the listeners right now, Jake is alluding to the play in game, which should be spectacular on Wednesday night. That guy called LeBron James. You know, Jake, he's very good. Yeah, very good. That good. guy's good. That guy knows what it takes to win. And he tweaked his ankle yesterday, which is really interesting, but he's playing on Wednesday. I, I would just say if, if things were almost equal, you'd rather play against a unbelievable Stephen Curry than a freight train unbelievable in LeBron James. And only because Stephen Curry, uh, his, his, uh, he's a, they're a good team. Absolutely. They've overachieved the Golden State Warriors. But LeBron is a different person especially in playoff basketball, and his trusted, trusted sidekick, Anthony Davis, is absolutely a tough cover. So if things were almost equal, you would, you would, lean to, you would rather lean, emphasize lean, to play the Golden State Warriors. So we don't know who they're going to play, obviously, but uh, regardless of that, Gordy, when you look at the Jazz, what do you think is their greatest strength and what do you think is their greatest vulnerability? 
their greatest strength is that their uh, collective unity, how they play the game with joy and how they share the ball and how they play help-to-helper defense. And that thing called that three-point shooting incredible arc by the Jazz. They're first in the NBA in the May 3s, 16.7. And they, they set a record in NBA history for 10-plus threes in every single game in a season. So in playoff basketball, especially to start the game, a lot of times, Gordon, in playoff games, Jazz really get a great lead when they hit the opponent with a shooting barrage over the top of the head, that three-point rainbow game. And that's the Jazz get a great chance to do that. So the three-point shooting and their team play is absolutely is a, they're huge as far as their, uh, how they play the game. Now, the other side is that it's alarming that the Jazz have a hard time even though they play solid defense where positional and they uh, really patrol the paint and protect the rim, the Jazz are 29th in the NBA in generating steals, only 6.6 per game, and they're the last team in the NBA of forcing turnovers, only 11.5. So here is the doom of gloom. Just say if. The Jazz have a hard time guarding somebody one-on-one, which always happens to every team. But the three-point shooting is erratic in that game. The question mark will be, Gordon, can they generate off their defense active plays to get in transition to help them score to win a close game where they shoot really irrational? One of those games where they they struggle and they shoot um, uh, 38% from the floor and 29 from threes. They won that thing called that ugly game called that 99-98. They won by one. Defense. Coach Gordon Chies is with us on 97.5 and, and 1280 The Zone. Speaking of defense or lack thereof, I hope you did not uh, have the misfortune of watching the Cl- uh, Clippers and Thunder game last night. And I want to uh, ask the old school coach in you, Coach, what do you think about losing games intentionally to jockey for position in the playoffs? Absolutely. It's absolutely, I'm against it. Very much. And now, you know, and the Thunder, and that came for the listening audience here on 1280 of the Zone, the Thunder lost nine games in a row up to that point. So you can't say that they were motivated for the last game. They, just, they were just hanging out the uh, Clippers and uh, trying to jockey for position. Hey, Jake, by the way, let's hope it backfires. That's what I hope. So I'm absolutely against it. When you try to um, change the system because you're trying to, quote, allegedly outsmart them, most times it does backfire, if not short-term, later on. I know I'm old school, but in a good way where, oh, by the way, let's play to win. Maybe we don't play our starters a lot of time, or, or we might sit a guy once or twice, especially in this seating, but let's play to win. So I want to hang on that for a second, Gordy, because I agree with you completely. Is it a matter of uh, what's disturbing you the most? Is it a matter of competitive integrity, or is it – is it detrimental to the team because they are absorbing a message that winning is not important and that can, that can bleed? Integrity. First one. Yeah, integrity. Absolutely. But piggyback, though, is, is bad messaging. Remember, these are competitive people. So they're saying philosophically is that we don't – the, the 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th men, they're dramatically less important than the starters. So if we lose with those guys, it's okay. Versus, hey, we have faith and confidence in our 9th, 10th, 11th man. Uh, by the way, let's describe right now George Niang. That guy's good. That guy's a really good ninth man. And, and, and he, he, he comes in the game. He, he, he makes things happen. And at the Jazz hustle players. So it would be like the Jazz sitting all these guys purposely because uh, 
the other guys give a chance to play, but we don't think we should play to win. Coach, uh, Defensive Player of the Year, is that just automatic to Rudy? I mean, is there any sort of argument to be made otherwise? Well, there's always a narrative because, you know, it's again, how do you define defense? You know, like that's that's always the storyline. Is that is it only shot blocking? I get it. That's I mean, that's a huge part of it. Is it on ball defense? I mean, because that's all part of defense. Also, is oh, by the way, I'm the I'm the best stealer in the NBA. I live in I, I live by thievery as far as stealing the ball. So, but Rudy should get it because the Jazz is an elite defensive team. He's the anchor of the interior defense, and that he should get it, which would be tremendous for for him as far as uh, just generally speaking, but also for the Jazz franchise. Also, add to that, sixth man of the year absolutely should be. I wouldn't almost unanimous would be Jordan Clarkson. He's having an incredible year. You know, Gordon and Jake. I'm asked this question, you know, about all the time from from people. Are the Jazz better than yesteryear with the, back in the 1997-98 Jazz teams? This team is absolutely better because there's so much more depth. Back in, back in the 90s there with that elite uh, group we had, we never had a guy, meaning the Jazz, as, like uh, Jordan Clarkson that can average 18.4 points per game, but it's when he gets them. When, jazz, when the Jazz need offensive oxygen, he is the guy that comes in the game and he never, ever fails them. I guess that is a compliment that uh, the uh, Vegas has uh, Jordan Clarkson and Joe Ingles as the two favorites to win sixth man of the year. And when they're both on the same team, then certainly that bodes well for your team. But I, I've got to stop here for a second. Did I just hear Gordy Chiesa say that this year's Jazz team is better than the teams of the 90s with Stockton and Malone? Yes. Yeah, they are. No, they are as far as the team now. Not as, not as far as the brilliance of John and Cole. That's irrelevant right now in this narrative. As far as the team, the Jets have 1 through 11 you could put in a playoff game, and those guys could perform, especially if you're the 10th, 11th man. The, the storyline is that the Jazz has, has an unbelievable depth. Joe Ingles is absolutely a terrific player. He might be the most underrated player in Jazz history. You can make, you can make a narrative, either him, Mark Eaton, or Brian Russell. What do you think, Gordon? You could. Most underrated now of what they do towards winning. Mark Eaton, tremendous, absolutely winner. Brian Russell, uh, second-round late pick. That guy came to play. He was a non-shooter, became what? A really solid three-point shooter. Oh, by the way, he guarded everybody. And then there's Joe Ingles, this generation. Oh, you want, want me to pass the ball? Yes, I can. Want, want to make rainbow threes? No, uh, no doubt about it. You want me to play defense? Do you want me to get, uh, get Rudy involved? That's what he does. So that's why the Jazz is so much more deeper than in 1996, 97, 98, 99 in that crew. So Carmelo Malone gets the ball in the low block, and he's going up against Rudy Gobert. Who wins? Call. Because Call has enough power to put Rudy in jail, meaning under the basket. So as great as Rudy is... Call could drop step in the middle and get Rudy off balance and, and what? Go right either above him on that jump hook, that fade jump shot, or go mano a mano into the guys in the, uh, Rudy's numbers and put him under the basket. No different than Matumbo and Alonzo Mourning and Shaq and those guys where Call was absolutely dominant. Let's not forget, and I know it's yesteryear, Call was absolutely a physical force. 
Can you imagine Gordon Munson your whole life? Everyone's trying to stop you, whatever you do in, your, in everyday life. Everyone's trying to do body harm to you. That was Carl Malone in a game. He's able to respond to the ultimate and deliver. Call for his uh, playoff career average in 172 games, over 25 points a game and 10 rebounds with everybody's trying to what? Hurt you physically. Coach, who do you like in the East? How they're playing going into the playoffs? Well, here's the first thing, Jake. I, I love this series. How about this series? Milwaukee Bucks versus the Miami Heat. Both those teams think that they could be champions, even though I know the Philly finished one and the Nets finished two. But let's the narrative right now. So, Jake, so Giannis, who we all love, and he's improved, and Chris Middleton and that crew, now against Jimmy Butler and those guys, Bamadabato, somebody that's really a talented team that really works hard both sides of the ball will be knocked out in the first round. So that's the most intriguing to me, even though I love the 76ers and the Brooklyn Nets. And so back east, the question will be, do the Nets have enough defensive tenacity to, to, um, to win while they're still uh, scoring the ball at a high clip? Because remember, the game slows down in playoff basketball. It's not this run-and-jump stuff. You've got to be able to execute cerebrally. So most NBA baskets in the fourth quarter are done out of uh, broken plays and out of brilliance. But when you come down after you score, you've got to have be collectively be gritty on defense. There's no such thing in the NBA as an ugly playoff win. None. So which of those teams do you like the best? They heat. Yes, yeah, the sixth seed. I know, and the last time a sixth seed was NBA champions, Gordon, was the Houston Rockets in 1995. But I do like the heat. Now, I'm not living in the past, meaning last year. I just think... Just to me, uh, that to start the playoffs, they have enough tenacity and enough three-point shooting, and they have, an, uh, just generally speaking, they win gritty, and that's playoff basketball. So I like the Heat and an upset, just generally speaking. Coach, I understand you have a list for us. Yeah, we do, Jake. This list today is segue to both uh, to both uh, Carl Malone and, and, and playoff basketball. This list is the Utah Jazz all-time career playoff point leaders top 10 jazz playoff point leaders number 10 jeff malone he scored 584 points in 30 playoff games number nine adrian dantley scored 607 points in 21 playoff games number eight donovan mitchell which is absolutely impressive he has scored in his, his jazz career 629 um a career playoff points in only 23 playoff games. He's averaging 27.3 points per game in his young playoff appearances. Number seven, Carlos Boozer. He scored 892 points in 44 games. Number six, he works for the Jazz. Our, our colleague and friend, Thurl Belly, scored 929 points in 69 playoff games. Number five, Darren Williams, sensational player. He scored 930 points in only 44 playoff games. Number four, second him earlier, Brian Russell, vastly underrated. He scored 1,035 points in 96 playoff games. Number three, this guy had a sweet jump shot. He was absolutely sensational player. Jeff Hornacek scored 1,389 in 100 playoff games. 
Number two, this guy was pass happy besides defensive happy besides steal happy. He was absolutely a great player. John Stockton scored 2,436 and 182 playoff games. And number one by far, Carl Malone scored 4,519 points in 172 playoff games. He averaged 26.2 points per game in the playoffs with the Jazz. Wow. Jake, that's hard to do. So it happens a lot of times, you, you know, it's a different era. But, you know, when, you, when you're scoring 20-something points, like Donovan right now, 27.3, as if a young star, like Carl did it for 172 games, everybody's trying to stop you. That's, schematically, the game, the game uh, scouting report is what, how can we stop this person and slow him down, especially in the fourth quarter. Just think what might have happened if he'd made a few more free throws, Corey. Yeah, free throw shooting is all part of it. And it's an add to that. So the question right now in this generation for the jazz basketball, Rudy is a 62% free throw shooter. So there might be times in a, in a really a, a, a gritty playoff game where they foul Rudy under the basket, where Rudy makes a hustle play, he goes to the boards, they hammer him, he goes to the foul line, a little wobbly as far as getting, getting himself off the ground. Now the question is, can he make two, three throws to change momentum, keep the score tied, or put the Jazz up one. These are all things that, that you have to think about as far as playing it. That's why, I mean, that's why the Jazz is so good, because Donovan's a great foul shooter, over 84%. So is Joe Ingles, so is Boyan Bondanovich, so is uh, Jordan Clarkson, and so is Michael Conley. Coach, as always, thank you very much, and uh, next time we talk to you, we'll, uh, we'll be uh, in the middle of a first-round series. Jake, thank you, guys. Peace out. Thanks, Coach. Our friend Coach Gordon Chiesa jumps on with us uh, every single Monday here on The Big Show. You surprised by what he said about this team being the best Jazz team of all time? Well, I mean, uh, it's the only team of all time to have the best record in the league outright. So, I mean, if you're kind of a, you are who your record says you are, then, yeah, I can see what he's getting at. But I think it was, the message he was saying was as far as complete team goes. Yeah. Which, um, you know, you look at, did, did those old Jazz teams ever have two six-man-of-the-year candidates? Not even close, right? So I think the depth of this team is definitely one of its strengths. It went from a serious weakness in the middle of last year to really a difference-making strength. All right, so the question that always comes next is what happens if those two teams line up against each other? I don't know. Good good answer. They have a cocktail party? (laughs) Uh, They all celebrate uh, the innovation of time travel? You know, I was kind of kidding about that whole—I wasn't kidding. The free throw thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Corey kind of ran with that, you know. Got to make free throws. It's a thing. I still wonder about Game 7 against Seattle, Western Conference Finals, 96. Carl Malone, I think he went 8 of 22 in that game and missed a bunch of shots in the the fourth quarter. Jazz could have had a shot that year, too. Of course, you always remember the negative box scores. No, I remember the positive ones, too. Here, Gordy talks about how many points Carl scored in his playoff <laughs> career, all this unbelievable stuff. You select one game. Just think, just think if he'd scored four more in one game. In one particular game, how he did. Yeah. Right, look, when you're a superstar, it's a tough standard against which you're measured. Right? Well, are you talking about your own personal standard? <laughs> Are you talking about the the Gordon Monson standard? No, I'm talking about the standard that, that you those have hundreds guys, that, of great playoff no, games, but the one that, you don't. 
is the one the guy's bringing up 30 years later? There's more than one. But you brought up one. I did. I did bring up one. One. No, there was the monster game he had against the Bulls in game five in 97, 98, which was a fantastic showing. Saved the Jazz in that game. I could talk about the good ones, too. You just so rarely do. What? Is that true? <laughs> it's not true. Yeah, you're trolling Coach Chiesa by asking about Carl's He ran with it, man. I'm like, wait, I stop. Did, but you were you're taking, supposed to get angry or something. But you were taking a shot, yeah. Kind of. Yeah, no, kind of. You were. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, the Jazz were that close. And didn't happen. You know, game two, uh, you know, the, Carl goes 0 for 4 in the second half. What are you going to do? You're dependent on the score. I lose that game, 97-98. They would have gone up two zip. So you're calling him a choker? No, no, well, it kind of sounds like it. Then, you know, but yeah, yeah, you suspect are. Suspected times. That's one of the best careers in NBA history. <laughs> Carl's heck of a player, no doubt. Uh, okay, more next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.